up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. What's going on, people? All right. I want to welcome all of you to this special Q on One podcast edition of the Talk to Q radio show. My name is Quincy, and this is my show. And tonight, I have a guest on who's going to discuss her fashion and film careers, as well as talk about her new book. But first, a word from one of my sponsors, Liquid Life Diet Drops. Congratulations on your decision to achieve a healthier lifestyle and seek optimum health. It's a noble and wise goal that will help you live a longer and healthier life. Liquid Life Diet Drops are made from high quality and completely natural ingredients that work along with your body's natural processes to help you feel better. Our product is non-homeopathic and in liquid form. It contains no hormones and is 100% safe. It has a very pleasant taste and is sweetened with stevia. Liquid Life Diet Drops has a variety of health benefits. Not only do they make you feel great, they also support maintaining weight and weight loss if you need to lose a few pounds. Please contact us at www.liquidlifedrops.us if you have any questions. We are here for you and your success. My thanks to Liquid Life Diet Drops for being a sponsor of the Talk to Q radio show. All right, let me get to my guest. She's an award-winning producer, writer, actress, fashion designer, and a health expert. From New York City, please welcome Miss Isosa E to the Q on One Talk to Q podcast. Isosa, how are you? I'm really good. (laughs) I'm awesome today, actually. Okay. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Awesome. So we can just go ahead and get started. All right. All right, cool. Okay, so um, you've accomplished so much in your career that um, I, I don't know where to start. Um, did it all start with fashion? I mean, you worked as a freelance fashion designer prior to getting into film, right? So can you tell us how fashion design and modeling springboarded into film? Right. Um, it's a really kind of weird roundabout story. Uh, I guess the, the best way to sort of sum it all up is that um, I never really actually planned to get into film or acting. I actually, when I was younger, um, everyone knew me as the girl who wanted to be a fashion designer. That's what I was passionate about. I used to make clothes for my Barbie dolls. I used to make clothes for my friends. I used to sell stuff. And when I was in, um, when I was in high school... I got introduced to acting in a really roundabout way. Like I was in choirs and other things. And then all of a sudden these drama kids were like, Hey, we need someone to audition for this play or whatever. And I went and auditioned, got the role of Tituba in the crucible. And um, the weirdest part was that I got nominated for an award at the Kennedy center. And it was my first time acting, didn't know anything about acting. And so I was kind of like, this is kind of interesting. Right? So I went to college with majoring in fashion design, but I had this experience that sort of made me think, well, maybe I should find out what this whole acting thing is about and all this theater stuff, you know? So basically while I was in college, I started, I was doing like several fashion shows a year and and I was, you know, doing my fashion training. But then I started like, um, I was actually the president of Black Theater Productions. I helped put on plays. I started doing all these short films, you know? Mm -hmm. So it kind of just, 
And then one day I just woke up and it was like, I guess I'm also an actress because I, you know, I got my first role like um, off Broadway in this show called Platanos and Collard Greens. I think it's still running, actually. Um, I was in it for a couple of years. Uh, so I had a paying like, you know, theater acting job while I was still in college. Um, so it just, it kind of just took over my life, like slowly but surely. I, as I was studying in college, it became clear to me that um, that I was also really passionate about storytelling. And mm -hmm. I guess for me as an artist and, and as an artist that wanted to say something and have an impact, I started to feel like I loved fashion so much, but I felt like there were some limitations with what I could say with the medium. And I kind of wanted, I, I liked the combination of fashion and film. So right. even for thesis project back then, I did like a fashion film. And I also was really concerned with how people that look like me were depicted in film images and, and these films were going all over the world exactly. and it were the only representation of what we were supposed to be. And I just felt like I wanted to be a part of storytelling that was going to push the boundaries a bit and open up more discussion about just just showing different different parts of life like we need all of the stories i'm not saying one is bad or that you know one is worse than the other but we need just need a, a a wider variety of stories about africans and african americans and the whole and quote unquote black experience you know what i mean cuz there really is no myo there is really is no like one black experience right so that's kind of what got me like really amped about it cuz i was like man like be, like it's just like if you can tell a powerful story and there's so much history there's so much um there's so many stories that haven't been told and uh, one thing that I'm really excited about with film and with the projects that I've been involved in is that I've I've been involved or at least I've had the sort of the goal of being involved in a lot of projects that sort of move the African diaspora forward mm -hmm. in terms of filmmaking meaning they're not exactly African films but they're not exactly American films but there's sort of this new genre that speaks to a generation like me who was for you know first generation born in America so I have parents who are from Nigeria but I was born here in the states so I'm right. you know I have my foot in both worlds and and it's sort of like there's this whole you know there's this whole group of us living in Europe you're living in in America that have a completely like have other stories that haven't really been told and so like the show that I'm a part of in African City is one of those things that sort of like speaks to that that um, group yeah so I'm okay. excited about that. yeah all right and I definitely want to talk about that I mean because you have you've written and directed several films and um, you received several accolades. Uh, for that, including being named one of uh, five African filmmakers to watch, and you won the best short um, at the Nigerian Entertainment Film Festival. But I do yeah. want to discuss the role that you mentioned um, in the series An African City. Now, it's been described as like the African version of Sex in the City, so to speak. And right. the show is about five women who return to Ghana looking for love in a country ruled by men. Uh, what has been your experience as far as filming the show? What's that been like and working with the other cast members? The experience has been great. I mean, the coolest part about um, about doing the show was getting to have the experience of going to Ghana and basically living there for like a month or two. You know, I'm about to go again and it's just, I really enjoy Ghana. I had such a great time. I actually like had a lot of downtime, so I had a lot of time to party and like explore. It was great. Um, so, I mean, I just, 
I just really, I mean, I, I can't say enough about it. I just, I love the experience of being in Ghana. Um, the other cast members, the thing that's so funny about the whole thing is that the girl who plays um, Sade, um, Nana Mensa, we actually went to acting conservatory together um, okay. years ago. So it's just like this weird full circle moment mm -hmm. because I know her work so intimately. And then once you've been in a conservatory with somebody, you know a lot of their business. and <laughs> At least you know them a little bit as an artist, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to work with her again and like to, to see how we've both evolved over the years because it's been many years since we, we studied. But um, I, think that that's, I think that that's cool. The other girls I didn't know before we did the show, but it's been wonderful um, working on it with all the clothes and all the stuff. It's been great. It's been fun. Okay, okay. And a quick side question because um, I, I happen to know of a 13-year-old a Mm -hmm. wants to get into acting someday mm -hmm. and as far as um college is concerned now you went to what cornell right i did and uh, what were you did you study anything regarding theater in college or so we uh so i yeah i studied a lot actually and i think it's i i think it's really funny that you asked that question just because i'm like really i'm like very i've always been the type of person that like gets my way in terms of my education because I really don't believe I should be studying things that I'm not interested in. Mm -hmm. So when I when I found out that I had this love for theater, I just tried to make all of my electives sort of support that, even though I had my core major stuff in fashion. So I studied uh, the history of black film from, from birth of a nation to the present. I studied black theater. I studied all of the the black theater movement, everyone from Amiri Baraka to, you know, I mean, I studied everything. Like right. I just sucked everything in. And then I, um, I also took some acting classes. And then because I had so many of my fashion credits done, I was able to do study abroad at British American Drama Academy too. So I went to London and studied a little bit there. So I was always like trying to find ways to like pursue just learn more about everything i was interested in i mean even outside of my curriculum for two years i did um i did training in um, meisner technique which is a is a, a form of acting training so i was just like okay. how much can i absorb and how much can i train and i think that's one thing that young people forget about because nowadays we live in a society that makes it feel like oh i'm just gonna just come up you know what i mean i'm, I'm just gonna right. blow up tomorrow and it's like no honey like that's not the way it works exactly like, i put in so much time of like just training and just like honing because i really wanted to be someone who had a career and not just someone who just had a like a good break for a moment um i wanted to have skills and so i really took it seriously and i trained for many years and then even after that i had like a coach for a while you know like you just keep sharpening the skills um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think the most important thing to, to, you know, for someone who is starting out is, you know, just, just be open to exploring. I mean, I think everyone, you know, not everyone that obviously wants to be an actor ends up being an actor, but, but, but the, but the good thing is that it may lead you to some other creative path. Like for me, I realized that I'm the type of personality that needs to be in control to some degree. So like I was really interested in getting into producing and to filmmaking because I like to be able to create my own content. I don't want to wait around for other people to give me a green light. And I think that more and more you're seeing that 
the talents that are the most relevant in entertainment are the people who are producer, writer, actors, or they have multiple talents. And it's important because it makes you less indispensable. First of all, you can't fire the producer and that lead actress and the, you know, writer. You can't do that. Like Mindy Colling could not be outed from her show. You know what I mean? She is the show. Right. It's like, it's, it's cool to explore acting, but it's also cool to you know, if if that person had any inclination to write or to shoot stuff, I would tell them to also explore that because I think it all goes hand in hand nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about learning your craft, taking the time to really immerse yourself in it and really get as good as you can if you're serious about it. If you feel like, okay, I'm serious, I want to deal with this, then you got to really learn your craft and then you have to um, be prepared for rejections. I get rejections every day. I actually laugh about it. Um, but I get rejections about all kinds of things all the time. But I'm so, like, the, the thing about me that's really interesting is that I do have kind of a thick skin in that I'm very persistent. So you can tell me no and I might even try again. Like, because that's like my personality. But for some people, they hear no and they get, you know what I mean? They get really upset about exactly. it. So it's really hard. You have to kind of figure out who you are. And it can be a really tough business because a lot of people are going to tell you no or are they're going to or they're going to try and tell you that because of the way you look or because of the way you anything talk, who knows that you're not going to make it. And you kind of have to tune it out. I mean, I had people who were saying to me, saying a lot of things to me about because they just didn't understand, you know, the other thing is that if you're really different and you're, if you don't kind of fit into a box that everybody else has been in before, people mm-hmm. also don't know what to do with you. But you have to have the tenacity to say, no, this is me, this is what I do, I, and I'm not going to change who I am just to fit into your box. For me, like, at the beginning, a lot of people were like, oh, you probably won't work that much because you have, your hair is not, your hair is natural and da-da-da. And I'm sure... I'm sure that I went on some auditions and they were like, oh, we can't deal with, you know, whatever. But I I didn't even really pay attention to that. I just focused on the people who were wanting to hire me and knew that I had something of value to contribute to their projection. So it's kind of like like putting the blinders on to anybody who's going to say, you can't do it. Once you make the decision, you got to stick to it. You just got to try to be the best you can. And then you got to hold on. And like, you know, every no is like, okay, one step closer to a yes. Like, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I will definitely make sure she watches this. Cool. And uh, now, uh, as far as an African city, now the show really displays a side of Africa that a lot of the world don't get to experience. Um, you know, they, they just don't get to experience it. The clothing, the music, the artwork, uh, I mean, and more. Why was it important um, that that was one of the focal points of the show, to display that side of Africa? Well, it's just, uh, we just have been inundated, um, especially in America. Um, I think even in Europe, I just feel like it's anywhere really in the West, where you get inundated with these images of Africa that are really one-sided. It's always about the poverty and the need and Africa needs aid and Africa needs this. And it's really, I mean, I really um, just so appreciate any project that starts to bring to light for people that there are tons of Africans with money. There are tons of Africans that are dressing up. We go out, we party. There are nice, really awesome clubs that you go hang out at. You know what I mean? Like there's a life there that people just... 
I think people automatically, because of all the media stuff that's that's been like pummeled at us, we, we automatically associate Africa with poverty. It's like, no, no, no. There's so much more going on there. And there's so many amazing artists and musicians and fashion designers. And that's the one thing that's really cool about an African city that she was able to at least we were able to bring into the first season, you know, um, a bunch of designers um, from from Ghana and from around the continent. I was a part of actually finding those designers. And then um, she was able to get some really great musicians to do some music for the thing. And then I think it really opened people's eyes because they were like, wow, look at all these places they're going to hang out at. And those are all places in Ghana that you could actually go to hang out at. So it's like they, they realize, oh, my God, it's a real city. And, you know, the, you know, there are people living fabulous lives there. And I, I think we need more of that because, right. because I really don't like the, I really have never liked the idea that Africa needs aid just because I just feel like Africa is such a rich continent. And then each country has its own, it, each country is so rich. I mean, the people are so productive and so creative and so mm. innovative. And it's just like, we just need, uh, I, I, we don't need anything from anyone else. I just think like we need to focus on being empowered ourselves and showing what we're capable of right. rather than this, this narrative of, oh, please help us. You know, I, I just don't think that that's a narrative that needs to be continued anymore. I understand that completely because, um, I mean, the media paints a picture and nine times out of ten, most people believe it. So it's great being able to tell your own story. And yeah. that's an, another advantage is social media has now opened up the world to all of us. Uh, so how can you and your peers as filmmakers take advantage of that worldwide exposure that you now have? I know with YouTube is one of the venues you use. Yeah. Yeah, YouTube is huge. Um, Vimeo is huge. And then there is like... I mean, so many platforms now where literally you can upload your content, you can even set a price. Um, if you bring your audience, you have so much control nowadays. There really is no excuse as a content maker to not get eyeballs on your film. Um, with, with, with the last short that I made, I mean, it was like within a few months, we had like 10,000 people had watched it online. And it's like, this is wow. so cool because... And I've experienced that also because I'm a health blogger. Like, I mean, I have people that buy my books in Germany, in Australia. It's so cool. It kind of blows my mind sometimes because mm -hmm. you're like, wow, the internet really just doesn't have a lid on it. So we need to stop thinking so small of like, okay, only my hometown or only my, even only my country. Like, right. it's like the, the world is just so wide open right now. And I feel like it's the perfect time for entrepreneurs and for creative people who want to like get content out there or get new products out there that are being, especially that are being sold online because it's just, there's so many ways for you to do it and reach people. If you, if you use the social media to like build your audience around your cause, it's really easy. I think yeah. it's pretty cool. I agree with you. Cause um, the first time I got a caller from um, overseas on my shows from Australia, Oh, just, cool. It just blew my mind, you know, yeah. that someone overseas was listening to this show. So um, yeah. I, I think it's pretty cool. You're right. There isn't a lid that's on the Internet at all. Yeah. But OK, so let's talk about your healthy lifestyle. Um, you're a vegan. Can you define that for the listeners? Um, I mean, is it simply just avoiding meats or is it more to it? OK, so 
this is part of why I wrote my new book. Um, Cause I realized I've been blogging since 2009, but I realized that so many people actually didn't know the answers to these basic questions. So it's really important just to understand the distinction. So a vegetarian is somebody who eats uh, plant-based meals, but, but also incorporates dairy. So they may incorporate um, milk or cheese and they, they may eat desserts that have milk or cheese or eggs in them even. Um, a vegan is someone who uh, avoids all animal products together. So that means they only eat, eat uh, fruits, nuts, seeds, vegetables, um, maybe grains too. Um, but they don't do any dairy. They don't do any meat at all. So no kinds of dairy, no kinds of meat. Um, or no kinds. And some, and some vegans are, are very strict. So they believe that bees are technically a part of that. You know, so, so some people avoid honey, you know. Um, yeah, I'm not that, I'm not as strict about honey because I feel like honey is very healing. And like, you know, if I have a throat, sore throat, whatever, I'm going to have honey. So that's me. But Mm -hmm. some vegans are very strict about that. They don't want any honey. They don't want any animal products in anything. Um, and then there's raw food. Raw food takes it even more a step. That's, I'm on, I'm, that's where I'm in. I'm in the land of the extreme. Um, (laughs) raw food is like. Eating foods that are not cooked above a certain temperature, um, basically, uh, basically not heavily cooked, so that you are eating um, food that has all the life force and enzymes and nutrients intact, mm-hmm. and it's vegan. Uh, there are some people who are are raw who are also sort of more vegetarians because they eat raw dairy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but but most people who do raw are also just vegan. So that means they don't do any animal products. So it's just nuts, fruits, vegetables, seeds. Um, and then they also don't eat cooked food. So my thing is um, I've been – I was 100% raw for a couple years when I first started it. And then I started to give myself the flexibility to eat cooked vegan if I needed to eat it or if I was traveling or whatever. But I prefer – to eat very high raw. I live in California now, and now that I live in California, it's like vegan utopia. So it's really easy for me to get everything, and the weather is nice, so it's easy for me to eat like that. But when I was on the East Coast, I wanted to have soup, and I wanted to have warm things sometimes, and I was like, it's okay. Like, I shouldn't feel like I need to, like... I I, I have a problem with... I, I feel like diets should be... Um, sh- should be... Like I, I try to avoid uh, being rigid, you know. If that if if, if that makes sense, I just mm-hmm. the idea of having too many rules. I think the 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 whole point of a lifestyle should be to enhance your your energy, enhance your health, right. but it should also enhance your happiness, and it should be flexible. It should be flexible enough that you could go anywhere and you could get the best quality of whatever's there and be okay. And that's kind of where I'm at with it now. In that, like, if I'm traveling and I'm going to Africa, I may not be able to get a whole bunch of great raw stuff that I like, but I should be able to adapt and like, okay, I can eat this vegan stew or whatever. There are certain things for me that I won't touch with a 10 foot pole anyway, though. Like I don't eat processed food. That's just a rule. And I feel like that's the major rule that most people need to start living by if they want to have better health, you know, maintain the healthy body weight, not contract any of these crazy diseases. You got to let, let go of the processed food, period. Like the whole food diet is where it's at. And that, and that whole foods basically means it shouldn't be coming from a box. You should know exactly what it is. You shouldn't, there shouldn't be chemicals in it that you don't know how to spell. Like I don't eat any of that stuff. Um, I also don't eat bread or rice. 
like grains don't really work for me because I was raw for so long. My body doesn't respond well to them, so I just leave them alone. Um, but yeah, but like it's it's interesting because so the, so those are the different levels, and there's there's ways that you can use that even if you were a meat eater, right? You could still be a very healthy person if it was right for you, if it felt good for you, and you were eating meat. That was if you knew where your meat came from, because that's right. the big problem. You can, the problem with America is that you don't know where half the stuff comes from. Nowadays, they're genetically engineering salmon. They don't even label it. So what are we supposed to do? We, how, how are we supposed to protect our family from getting cancer and all, whatever else we could get, contract from sure. eating this, this food if we don't even know what it, where it's come from? So it's really important to try to, if you're going to eat meat, you need to know where you got it from. It needs to be organic. It needs to be grass-fed, all that stuff. Um, and, and I believe everything in moderation. Like I feel like the one big thing is I've noticed that some meat eaters are very healthy. They do it in moderation. They don't eat ton, They don't eat meat every day. You know what I mean? They're not eating it all the time. And they're eating a whole bunch of plant foods that kind of like add into the diet that are whole foods. And then they're cutting down on processed foods. You could still be a very, very healthy person if that works for you. But I think where people really go wrong is with all of the fast food, the processed food, the things that aren't even really food. Because if you think about it, um, I saw some really interesting documentaries about you know things that we we see in our grocery shelves. But half of the things on the grocery shelves are engineered in labs. Those things aren't even foods. There are literally scientists sitting around being like, "Okay, how can I make this cheese flavor so addictive that this person is going to have to come back right. and eat some more?" And they and they food. yes. And I was watching this documentary, and the, and these scientists actually intentionally make things so that you want to like you don't feel satiated you want to keep coming back and when you compound that with the amounts of sugar and the amounts of salt that that they put on everything to kind of mask the fact that it's not food because if you had a real cracker without salt on it i'm telling you it tastes like cardboard but people don't realize that all you're tasting really is the salt mm -hmm. and whatever flavor that the chemical flavor they added to it so it's about getting your body acclimated because it takes people a moment sometimes to realize, okay, whoa, I'm not even eating real food. Maybe I should go, you know, you know, go get stuff that can come from the earth, get some whole grains, get this stuff. And it takes a moment for their palate to kind of readjust because we're so over-sugared, over-salted, over-floured in this country that it's just like, you know, it's causing a lot of problems for people. Okay. All right. Now, um, I, I want to focus on eating raw for a second, um, and because that's something you do in addition to just being vegan, hence the blog, Raw Girl in a Toxic World. Yeah. And, um, so, what are the benefits from eating raw, I guess? I mean, I know there are health benefits, but I mean, if you can kind of yeah. help, help me out as far as understanding them. Sure. I mean, there are so many. I can't... Um... There were just so much science that I wanted to add into my book, and I, I added a lot of it, but there was just so much that I couldn't even get to because there's also just so many testimonials of people who have healed themselves of everything from cancer to diabetes to high blood pressure on a raw diet. And I believe that it's, it's more about the body finally getting fuel that's natural so it, it allows it to just restabilize itself. I believe mm -hmm. the body can heal itself if it's given the right fuel. But if you keep putting acidic stuff, you keep putting processed stuff, you keep putting junk, it doesn't, it doesn't work. But for me, like what I first experienced, um, I used to have really bad acne. So 
within a month of being raw, my skin had cleared up completely and it was amazing. And then um, my energy kind of shot through the roof. It, like I started waking, I mean, I still, I still wake up every single morning around 536, like without an alarm clock, I'm awake. I also do get enough sleep, so right. I'm not sleep deprived, but but I noticed that it gives me more energy and that I wake up naturally very early and I'm like gearing to go, like ready to go. Okay. And you said um, you cleared your skin in a month? Yep, within a month. Wow. I had I know, I have a like my first book was the acne free diet and um the people who read it get to see the gross pictures of me and I don't even the pictures that I put in that book aren't even um as bad as it was they're like sort of like as it was starting to get better but i had scarring on both cheeks i had rash like acne all over my forehead and within a month it was i look like this basically and i've looked like this ever since oh, wow. um, okay yeah and and so basically i just tried to break down for people that acne is an inside out game and like and, and most do doctors they always focus on Let's put a Band-Aid on this. So let's give you some hormones or let's give you this topical lotion or let's give you this cream. And I just threw away all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? I started to realize, you know what? It's about what is going on inside of me that's causing this external problem. So if I don't deal with the internal, I'm never going to deal with that. I'm going to keep putting all these things on the external and maybe I'll get results for a couple months, but it's not going to go away forever. And my goal was to like, I don't want to deal with acne ever again. <laughs> like it needs to be over um so that's what the book is about and it's to help people because i feel like a lot of people waste so much money on creams lotions pills hormonal pills it also mess a lot of women you know that messes with their cycle it messes with other things and and we don't you don't need all of that to yeah. to deal with with acne um and and acne really is a warning sign for other problems because where you get pimples on your face corresponds to also organs in your body. So once you start to understand that, you realize, okay, this is just trying to tell me something. It's trying to tell me something's off balance or I'm eating things or something is going on inside of me that's not right. Um, so for me, the acne went, the energy increased, um, my creativity increased. It just gave me more fuel to do everything that I do. Um, I think... I think in general, too, I don't know what it is about it, but plant-based diets in general, which is maybe why in India a lot of yogis are vegetarian, they kind of facilitate spiritual um, evolution. It really does sort of get you in a plane of kind of like, just it enhances your, if you were on a spiritual journey, it enhances that spiritual journey and, and deepens it. Uh, there's something about the stillness of plant life, and even when I've, worked with people in my family who, you know, they, they came to me and they decided they were going to do a vegan, you know, a vegan thing for like a month or whatever. One of the things that they told me, the first thing they would tell me was like, I feel so much calmer. My thoughts are calmer. I don't have as much anxiety. And it's amazing. Most people don't even realize that, cool, the bag of chips may taste good, but the bag of chips actually may contribute to the fact that you're agitated right now. They may contribute to the fact that you have a breakout on your face. They may actually be contributing to the fact that you have these weird, like, anxiety, like, this thought, these thoughts. Like, everything we take in, that whole saying, you are what you eat, really yeah. is true. And you start to really feel it. Because when you start eating plant-based foods, all of a sudden you're just like, whoa, like, I'm super calm. I'm able to deal with things. It's, it really does affect your emotional state and mental state as well. Hmm. I know some people who need a plant-based diet.
<laughs> all right so <laughs> all right the book you know which is your third is coming out in july 2015 and it's called uh well is it got veg or got veg for veggies got or veg, veg, for veg? Yeah. veg okay got, got veg. veg how to thrive in a plant-based diet um mm-hmm. so what do you want people to get out of reading the book yeah so i wrote the book like it's kind of like the book that I wish was there when I started because I kind of read a lot of different books and I never really felt like I got a comprehensive gist, I guess, of where to start and what to do. And what I tried to do is give you a ton of information of like, these are all the benefits. These are all the, the diseases that, that plant-based diets can cure. These are, this is some research. This is some interesting information about that. And then I go into um, how to be optimal, which I feel like a lot of people just go, oh, you're vegan, you need B12, that's all. And I'm like, well, no. If you want to be optimally healthy, and that's anyone, that's meat eaters or, or plant, you know, anyone's eating a plant-based diet, there are certain nutrients you have to pay attention to. We need B vitamins in order to keep our energy going um, during the metabolic process. There are certain things that we need just in general. So I go into a whole bunch of nutrients that you you need to pay attention to and also foods, whole foods that you can get them from. And then I start to um, just incorporate like, how do I deal with this? How do I transition? What kinds of things do I need in my kitchen? How can I season stuff? Because, you know, people want stuff that tastes good. And, right. and I think the funny part is that, you want to know, when I used to tell people I was a raw food is, I think I really do believe they imagined me in my room crying and eating an apple. Like, why? Like, why did I give up that meat stuff? Like, but really, that is not what was going on. I was out at these amazing places eating amazing food. I was at home preparing amazing food full of flavor that was guiltless because it didn't have any of the toxic stuff in it. And so I, I go through like way the, like the different substitutions you can use to make things season the way that you're used to having them or like having right. flavor in your food. And then I give people recipes because I like to always have an action plan or something for people to immediately apply that they can try. But, but the goal really is to inspire anybody. I'm not really like, oh, I want this book to be only for plant eaters. I, I hope there's a lot of meat eaters that read my blog and they've told me I read your blog because I don't feel like you're judging me. And I don't, I don't judge anybody. I actually believe in bioindividuality. I think that our blood type and our ancestral lineage lends itself to a certain type of diet. For me, the plant-based diet works really well for my body. Mm -hmm. That's where I feel the best. But I think that everybody, everybody can benefit from more raw foods. Everybody can benefit from no processed foods because we live in an age where Cancer is so common. Diabetes is so common. It's just, you know what I mean? And it's time for people to start realizing, hey, my doctor isn't really going to do anything but prescribe some pills to me. Perhaps I should take some matters in my own hand. Perhaps I should preventively spend more on this organic thing than pay for my doctor's copay. You know what I mean? So it's just, we got to think, we got to change the way that we think about health. Health insurance to me is what I do. <laughs> my lifestyle is my health insurance. You know, in the event of an accident, cool, that's great. I can go, you know, handle that. But but besides an accident, I don't expect to be contracting any sort of crazy disease if I have it within my power to control what I'm eating, control what I'm putting in my body temple. Okay. Okay. Now you mentioned um, earlier that it's 
is okay as far as eating meat. Um, just be mindful of where it comes from as far as make sure it's grass-fed or organic or anything like that. So that's cool to know that you can use this in conjunction with, um, you know, eating meat if that's the case. But I'm yeah. Just, I'm just curious. How long has it been since you've had meat? Um, I haven't had meat since I was 13. <laughs> okay, since your teens. Okay. Yeah, so a very long time. Over 10 years I've been vegan. Um, yeah, and then I, I started on the raw thing in what, like 2008-ish. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah, it's been a really long time for me. I don't really have any desire to eat meat. I, I really... For me, like when I first started, I didn't really exactly know why I was be becoming vegan. And now like I understand all of the benefits. And then I've also started to be more conscious about animals and like, you know, the horrible ways that they are, um, uh, all the horrible things that happens to them in the meat industry that I really don't agree with. And I believe that the energy in which that animal was, you know, if an animal was treated badly and, you know, mistreated and pumped with hormones, you're ingesting that. I believe that you're ingesting it when you consume that animal. And that's not something that I want to be a part of um, at all. So I, I definitely see myself as, as um, going with the vegan thing long term. If, if I ever had to make a dietary adjustment because of something else, I would consider it, but for me, I think I've found what works for my body, and okay. I, and that's kind of what I want to encourage people to do: find what works for your body, but be conscious about it, though. Be conscious about it because you you're ingesting when you're eating, you know, animals that have been mistreated and 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 abused. You're you're ingesting that, and you don't even know how it's affecting your emotional and spiritual state. Okay. Okay. Now I know the book prepares um, people with. Um, the transition, I guess, into the vegan and eating raw lifestyle. Um, mm -hmm. You have a bunch of recipes. I think it was over 50 recipes that mm -hmm. you offer in the book. So I think that's really cool. Uh, but I have another side question because my mind wanders over the course of an interview <laughs> and everything. So let's talk about as far as your social life, does this affect like who you date? You know, if someone's like, hey, babe, I'm putting a steak on the stove. You know, I mean, are you going to? Right. You know, how's that? What's the reaction like with that? Do you have to try to find someone who's at least similar to your lifestyle? Right. Um, well, I'm not going to really, you know, I don't really like to tell people what's going on in my personal, like, you know, dating life. But mm -hmm. I will say that I have, um, I have dated both meat eaters and plant-based, you know. I find it pretty difficult to date a meat eater who is very closed-minded, okay. meaning... If the person understands where I'm at and they understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, they're also flexible and they're willing to um, they're willing to explore that, then that might work. But if I'm sitting down at a table with somebody and they're like, "You're not gonna eat some chicken," I mean, okay, like this is just not <laughs> like we're not on the same page, right, like we're right. not on the frequency. You know what I mean? It's it's really it's really about an openness. Um, I have a I have another friend who's a who is a a, a vegan chef. His name is Allende Howell, and he is uh, wrote a book, a cookbook that's a relationship manifesto, and it's kind of about that. It's about like dating vegans, dating non you know non vegans, and okay. I think it's interesting and and it can be tough. It can be tough. It really depends 
on how the two people gel together and whether or not there's an understanding of where I'm coming from or there's flexibility. Um, one of my, you know, the woman who wrote the foreword for my book, she's actually one of my mentors, Victoria Moran. She's a vegan writer. She's written tons of books about veganism. And she married a meat eater who became later vegan because she converted him. So, so you know what I mean? Some people right. see the light, you know what I mean? They start to... Re- <laughs> They start to realize they feel better. They start eating your food and they're like, oh my goodness, like this is actually good. Okay. So, you know, I think it's about openness on both sides. Like I generally don't, you know, I don't really judge people. Um, so as long as you're not judging me and expecting me to like, you know, go with you to the, to the steak joint, we might be okay. We might be all right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> another side question, less invasive. Um, the, the outfit that you have on, did you design that? This one, no. Okay. Okay. This one, no. I, I wear a lot of stuff I design, but today, no. <laughs> okay. Just curious. Yeah. All right. So, Got Veg, How to Thrive in a Plant-Based Diet is available for pre-orders now. Uh, mm-hmm. Where can people pre-order the book, and how can my listeners find and get in touch with you? Yeah, they can pre-order the book on my blog. It's... um rawgirltoxicworld.com and I believe the link is rawgirltoxicworld.com backslash pre-orders but if they go to the the blog they'll see the book and they can just click on it and and it'll give you information about the book and you can decide to pre-order there and um, you can find me all over the place I'm on Instagram at the raw girl I'm on Facebook at the raw girl Twitter at the raw girl and then on the acting side I have multiple personalities by the way if you haven't noticed <laughs> Um, on the acting side, I'm at Asosa E on Twitter, and I'm and my Facebook on page uh, as an actress is facebook.com backslash Asosa updates. Um, okay. So I have two I have two Facebook pages, one for raw girl, one for for acting stuff. Okay, well the best actors have multiple personalities, I guess. If you're gonna be a good actor, you have to be someone else at times, right? I guess so. So. Okay, Isosa E, thank you so much for joining the show. I I appreciate you taking the time to do it. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it for another Q on One podcast edition of the Talk to Q Radio show. My thanks to Isosa E for joining the show. My thanks to my sponsor, Liquid Life Diet Drops. Um, Keep in mind that the Talk to Q radio show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Go to TalkToQ.com for more show information and a calendar of upcoming shows. You can also find the Talk to Q radio show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just do a search for the Talk to Q radio show and you can find it there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good evening. And check out our other sponsor for this podcast, searchforithere.com. If you own a business, you know how important it is to get the word out about what you have to offer. I want to tell you about a great online local business directory that will get you the attention you want. It's called searchforithere.com, and it's fantastic. At searchforithere.com, multiple discounts are available on their local business directory with lots of great features. They have diamond or silver plans available that can save you tons. The diamond plan includes 
featured listings, and the Silver Plan includes video as well as other great tools to promote your business. So take advantage of these great deals today and get listed as soon as possible. There are hundreds, even thousands of customers out there just waiting for you to get listed. SearchForwardHere.com is simply the best local business directory. So whether you own one business or many companies, it doesn't matter. SearchForwardHere.com is your number one local business directory. You can call them at 253-324-3352 or email them at sales at searchforwardhere.com. Searchforwardhere.com.